0: You are listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Odawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations.
1: Thank you for listening to us, Unscripted Stories. My name is Joe Scaletti, and I will be facilitating today's episode This season, we've been sharing a mix of interviews with seasoned storytellers to gain a better understanding of the importance of storytelling, to reclaim, uplift, heal, and project our communities into the future. For our final episode of the season, we continue with this theme by talking with Charla Wilson, an archivist for the Black Experience at the university. Welcome, Charla, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much for the invitation and introduction.
1: Yeah, we're really excited to have you here. So I think our first question, um, what inspired you to begin archival work? Yeah, um,
0: well, I currently work um, at Northwestern. I've been here for about four years now, coming this July, so <laughs> time's really flying. Um, I, I work in the University Archives as the Archivist for the Black Experience, um, and so my work is primarily dedicated to preserving records that tell the history of Northwestern's Black students, um, faculty, staff, and alumni. Um, and I also work with researchers, staff, students, and professors, provide them with access to our collections, And I educate the public and Northwestern community about our institution's history. Um, and I just have to say that this, this work is really, um, it's a dream job, it's, it's I, I love doing this. And, but I, I do have to say that um, I really came to the archives profession by accident. Um, for the longest, actually, I had a dream of becoming an educator but I realized very quickly that teaching wasn't really the best fit for me. Um, so I, I returned to graduate school to study history because I love research and the subject. Um, and one of the requirements in my, my master's program was to write a thesis based on original research. So this might sound odd, but that was the first time I actually entered an archive. It was in graduate school. And um, I had to embark on this project. Uh, I didn't have a topic in mind for the thesis, but I, I knew that I wanted to write about, um, I wanted to use collections, archival collections that had to do with the subjects of African-Americans, um, women, youth, and San Diego, because I'm originally from San Diego, California. Um, so I contacted some of the local repositories and I was very shocked that the options for that covered those particular subject areas were very slim to none. Um, The collections that did exist, they tended to focus on male figures from the 1960s. So I was really disappointed that there was just a lack of documentation and variety. Um, Because I knew, coming from San Diego, I knew African Americans make up maybe 3% of San Diego's total population. And um, African American history is probably, um, or people probably don't think of San Diego when they think of African American history. They probably think of you know, Birmingham, Harlem, or Chicago. Um, but those 3% of people have to come from somewhere. They established organizations, publications, institutions. You know, there's still a history, but um, in terms of identifying documentation um, that revealed that history a little bit more, I was really not finding much. Um, so I abandoned that, that topic initially and decided to work with the records of the San Diego Young Women's Christian Association, the San Diego YWCA, because at least that involved women and youth. So I was interested in in those areas. Um, And then I realized that that collection was organized geographically and the inventory listed the city of Logan Heights. And so I thought, wait a minute, I I have family that lives in Logan Heights. And I knew historically that at one time it was a predominantly white community that turned predominantly black. And today it's a mix of black and Latinx populations. So I requested those boxes, and I'll never forget, the first time I opened the first folder, I saw this photograph from the 1920s of Black girls who were involved in the segregated San Diego YWCA um, for African Americans, which was called the Clay Avenue Branch. And so I was blown away by this discovery, um, and also just kind of... um, interested in this concept of, you know, there's being segregation in San Diego, in Southern California, and um, but what I, what I learned from researching that collection was that um, there was a group of middle-class African-American women who advocated for establishing this Y in Logan Heights, um, not only to provide recreational activities for the girls that, that lived in that neighborhood, but it also served as the first and only social services agency for African-Americans that provided employment opportunities, housing, and even functioned as a space to mobilize for civil rights in the city of San Diego from the 1920s to 1950s. So prior to working on that project, I was completely unaware of this history. Um, I didn't find the history of Clay Avenue Branch published anywhere. Um, you know, I, I spoke with my advisor and some of the, you know, just some of the um, history faculty just, was, they too were saying, wow, we've never heard of this history at all. Um, And so that thesis project was incredibly eye-opening and it was a pivotal moment for me regarding my decision to become an archivist because I was left with so many questions about which histories get documented. And um, it wasn't too long after that that I I learned that this wasn't something that was unique to San Diego. African-American history is largely underdocumented, And so um, that realization that perhaps there are hidden or forgotten histories about African-Americans, in San Diego, really motivated me to build a career um, around preserving archival records that tell that history, and so that that's what inspired me to to do this work. And um, I'm so grateful and honored to to do that and to focus on that here at Northwestern.
1: Yeah, wow, that all honestly sounds really incredible and really amazing. Um, and from what you've talked about, you know, it's no wonder that you were inspired by that. Um, and so you've talked about a few um, different, you know, places and, like, stories that you've, like, you know, heard about uh, or, like, you know, like, read or um, seen. Um, Can you talk about um, any stories that you know of that you really think should be told more often or to more people?
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, I think just generally speaking, um, what I love about history and archival research is that there are so many stories that need to be told and explored and um, I know sometimes we like to focus on major events or accomplishments and sometimes sometimes you may even recycle some of the same stories and I know I'm guilty of that too um, and it's important to acknowledge um, some of those histories and to celebrate those achievements but um, it's also important just to dig a little deeper and at times acknowledge histories that may not be as positive um, you know but they're just as important and Um, So I think when it comes to, when I think of the Black experience at Northwestern, for example, um, something I try to do is remember that there's diversity within the Black experience and to be inclusive, it's important to be inclusive of as many perspectives and voices as possible. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's important to know more about a variety of stories. And so um, that's definitely become apparent to me working here and you know, hearing from alumni, for example, who have incredible stories about their student experiences that are not always written or available in the physical records at the archives. Um, So there's a method I'm I'm focusing on a little bit more now, and that's oral history. Um, In in fact, this summer I'm working on um, a project with the African Studies Librarian, Florence Mugambi. We're um, interviewing African alumni from the 1960s and 70s, and so we're really excited about that. And um, I'm also, this past year, I had an opportunity to work alongside um, the Northwestern Community Ensemble, NCE, the campus gospel choir, and alumni to help them organize some programming around their 50th anniversary that took place on May 8th of this year. And I, I had an opportunity to interview some of the founders and early members. And it's a remarkable history, um, something that I found really um, one of things that made me really excited about um, conducting that particular project was um, I know we've learned so much about the bursar's office takeover of 1968 and one of the questions I had was you know how did um, you know how did black student experiences what did the black student experience look like just a few years a few years after the takeover Um, you know did it change quickly Um, I just wanted a lens by which to kind of gauge change over time. And um, interviewing um, NCE alumni was a great way of doing that because it was established in 1971, just three years after the takeover. So um, for example, um, I had a chance to speak with the um, co-founder of NCE, Eileen Cherry Chandler, who um, in 1970 became FMO for members only, um, facilitator for cultural affairs. And um, she was, She came in as a, you know, she identified herself as an artist and she was looking for opportunities to express, um, you know, herself in an art on campus. And particularly when it came to um, what she refers to as the the Black aesthetic, um, you know, art that really reflected, you know, Black culture. Like um, at the time, um, she was. On campus at the time of the Black Arts Movement, um, like promoting Black arts that celebrated the Black aesthetic and Black consciousness, you know that really incorporated, you know, a political um, angle into into their work. And so she was inspired to form various groups and traditions and to support the creation of groups, um, including a dance and jazz troupe on campus. Um, ultimately, Black folks theater. Uh, the ritual and in CE. And, um, you know, these were forms of art that did not exist on campus before then. And, um, you know, and th- there's, um, these are organizations, some of them are organizations and traditions that still exist today that have roots in, um, you know, in her seeing sort of this absence of, of, of black art on campus and NCE is part of that. Um, what I find really fascinating with them is, you know, when they came on campus post 1968, um, one of the the issues that students brought up at the time was there was a lack of, um, you know, courses that, that incorporated black history and scholarship. Um, and there was a lack of black faculty. And so these were, this was an issue that black students brought up at the time. And NCE fits into that, um, that concern as well, because um, in order for, them to organize as an official student group on campus, they needed a faculty sponsor for their group. And there wasn't anyone on campus that specialized in Black sacred music. So they didn't feel like there was an appropriate, um, you know, person on campus that they could go to. And that really came out of the issue they were bringing up in 68 of there's a need to have more Black faculty and um, and curriculum that has to do with black history and culture. And that's, that's what, you know, NCE was, you know, grappling with. And because of that, you know, they didn't allow that to deter them. What they did was they created this organization. Um, they established relationships with people who did have that skill set. Um, they established relationships with local churches, and they, they organized themselves, they had, um you know, they traveled during spring break and Thanksgiving break for national tours. They sang in their home churches, um, not just in Chicago, but throughout the nation. Um, they even built their own choir robes. Um, you know, they, they just, they established something that was their own and they were able to create something themselves. Um, that's a story I think that's that should be told more. Um, it's just that, that that creativity um, and determination that students had
1: yeah absolutely and it sounds like you know that took a lot of strength thank you for listening to us unscripted stories you can find our podcast on itunes google play and spotify support for this podcast is provided by joe scaletti Song, saeed Resco, sydney hastings and jeanette rojas with support from Alicia Solier, Isabel St. Arnold, Aaron Golding, and Linda Luck. Subscribe to hear more from us.